The Pastor's Heart and Dominic Steele here and today we're talking abortion and the church and particularly the senior pastor and my guest is Dr Claire Smith and before we come to Claire I just want to put it out there that we would love and need your help to make the pastor's heart sustainable and for us to grow. We're so thankful to God for the many messages of encouragement uh, from actually all around the world that we've been getting and the many topic suggestions that you're starting to give us. Uh, thank you and do keep them coming. Uh, we created the pastor's heart to be a space to encourage and equip Christian leaders, especially senior pastors, in our common task of seeking the lost and building up the saints. And uh, look, if this has been of value to you, we'd ask you to support our production so that we can continue the work that we do. There are three people working behind the scenes on The Pastor's Heart, doing the filming, editing, mixing and bringing it to you. And at the moment, their salaries aren't being covered. And you can support us by going to patreon.com slash thepastorsheart and signing in. Now, uh, Dr. Claire Smith, thanks very much for coming in. Lovely to be here. Uh, I asked you to come and talk to us about abortion and the senior pastor. You were presenting on this at the Priscilla and Aquila conference in Sydney, and we do appreciate you coming and talking to us. Now, our main audience is pastors in the church, but also no doubt there are going to be women and men for whom this is part of their narrative. Mm -hmm. And um, uh, before we come to the topic per se, I just wonder, we're on the pastor's heart, you could tell us about what God's done with your heart as you've wrestled with this topic of abortion for a long time, for many decades. Sure. Uh, first of all, if I can just come back to the introduction where you said I'm Dr. Claire Smith, I just want to clarify, I'm not a medical doctor. Yeah. So, You're a so I'm a New Testament doctor. <laughs> I'm a New Testament doctor. So I am. I, I did train as a nurse. Yep. So I have a, a bit of a medical background, but but I just want to be yep. clear that people understand I'm not a medical doctor. But you are a Bible and, scholar. And yeah. and I am a Bible scholar. So, mm. so just to be clear on that. But com coming back to your question about what God has done in my heart uh, with this, I I guess uh, that that's part of my personal story, which is uh, growing up as a feminist and firmly believing in a woman's right to abortion and then be becoming a Christian and, and very quickly realising uh, that this was not God's way. And, and then as a student, student nurse, having to f uh, finding myself in operating theatres as a very young Christian, uh, where abortions were going to be performed mm -hmm. and um, and uh, taking a stand really and saying that I wasn't going to uh, participate in that. So, I mean, did you take part in any? And, no, no, no. So, so I, I arrived in theatre, saw the theatre lists, uh, saw that terminations of, of pregnancy were on the theatre list that I'd been assigned to and so went straight to the head of the, the nursing unit, the theatre, and said, I'm a Christian, I don't want to take part in this. And uh, it, was, um, it was unusual, uh, mm -hmm. so it was a sort of unfamiliar situation for the, well, for the theatre staff. Uh, it was definitely, it wasn't, a, it wasn't well received, it wasn't mm. a popular decision. There was a fascinating uh, story that came out two weeks ago about a student midwife in the UK who uh, was going to be expelled from her course as a student midwife because of her pro-life views. Mm -hmm. And uh, and they had a, a long process where, where they considered that and it was likely that she was going to be expelled. In the end, she wasn't. 
but she made the most stunning comment which was uh, something like, it's important to remember that being pro-life isn't incompatible with being a midwife. Mm. Which is just, a, that, that you would even, that anyone would think that being pro-life pro was incompatible with being a mm. midwife. It's just an extraordinary thing to have to say. But that's, that's where we are mm. now. Mm. So any, anyway, so, so for me, very early on in my Christian life, I found myself having to take a stand there. Uh, also, I mean, I just think over the years, just realising how many lives, or how many unborn lives, uh, have been ended by abortion. I mean, the, the numbers are just, just devastating. Uh, but, but the lives of women and men and parents and siblings who don't who don't have uh, who, who who don't have the siblings that they might have had mm. of health workers, doctors, and so on. I mean, this is a broad. This, this is uh, something that touches many, many, many mm. lives. You've walked through it with a few people. Sure. Uh, yes. Uh, both both people uh, considering. Uh, considering abortion in the situation of an unwanted pregnancy, uh, in considering abortion with fetal abnormalities, uh, and then people uh, post-abortion mm. uh, there, but both men and women. Mm. Um, let's come back to those stories. But first, uh, the pastor, the senior pastor, and, um, and teaching on this topic. Because really, we're not good at it. We mm. don't do it very mm. much. I think. I mean, I was, I was reflecting that. Um, I think John Piper has taught on abortion and the sanctity of life every year in his pastorate over at Bethlehem Baptist Church. But that's not the pattern in the churches in the tribe that I'm in. Mm. Do you want to speak to that? Yeah, sure. I mean, I think fascinatingly, this is one of the uh, one of the rare moments where I find myself in agreement with with uh, many of the feminists, uh, but for a completely different reason. Uh, there's a movement among feminists uh, in, that started up in recent years uh, where they want people to talk about their abortions, right? mm -hmm. and for abortion not to be something that's secret and so on. Now, their reason for doing that is that they don't think that women should feel bad and so they should be able to celebrate their mm -hmm. abortions. And in fact, there's a Twitter campaign, um, hashtag shout your abortion, that's been running now for about five years, that has tweets happening every day with women saying, you know, how grateful they are for their abortion because it's enabled them to do this and that and this and that. Uh, I agree with them in as much as it's something that we need to talk about. Um, abortion has tended to be a, something that's secret and very private. I think men feel uh, feel that it's sort of secret women's business, mm -hmm. and so they dare not speak about it. Um, and that means that in our churches, there are people for whom this is their experience. I mean, some research coming out of the States suggests, and I, I would expect it's the same here, in evangelical churches, one in six women will have had an abortion. And across society, generally one in three will have had at least one. 
So that's an awful lot of women that's an, and men who are affected by this. And if we're not talking about it uh, from the pulpit in our teaching, but also just uh, in women's Bible studies and in Bible studies and in our pastoral care, then that's an enormous pastoral need that's not being met. Mm. Uh, it's an evangelistic need that's not being met. And, and it means that when people, it, Christians in particular, face an unwanted pregnancy or, or a problem, a, a crisis pregnancy, uh, it's too late then to address all the biblical mm. issues mm. because you're in this crisis with the, with the clock ticking mm. and hormones and pressure mm. and, and all those things. That's not the time mm. to, to think about the beginnings of life and being made in the image of God and all those sorts of things. I mean, as you say that, I think uh, I've been here 18 years. I think probably less than a handful of conversations with people for whom it's been part of their narrative. Mm -hmm. And yet I'm sure there's many mm -hmm. more. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, how to teach on it? Okay, well, I mean, I think there are, two, there, there are three tracks that I want, would want to mention. Uh, the first is, you know, the topical sermon. Mm -hmm. the, you know, you're doing a series on ethical issues, you address it there. Mm -hmm. Great. Then there are, there, there are uh, expositionally, there are times when it comes up. Uh, the fifth commandment, mm -hmm. you shall not commit murder. Uh, the Psalm 139. Uh, the infancy narratives of Mary and Elizabeth uh, in the Gospels, where the, the infants, same, same word, brephos, uh, that's used later of children sitting on Jesus' lap. So mm -hmm. demonstrating the continuity of life from, from the womb right the way through mm -hmm. into infancy. Um, when you're teaching on the sovereignty of God, God creates all life and that life is good and that he gives it and that he's sovereign over it all. Uh, so I just think uh, in, a, in, a, in a teaching program, there's just so many opportunities to touch on this. You talk about um, teaching it as it came up, as abortion came up in the mm. expository series. Um, what you make me think though is, if I'm doing an expository series, I'm, I'm gonna get to, I'm gonna be thinking, what's the main point of the passage? And abortion's gonna be, a sub-point of the passage, mm. and I'm worried then about raising an explosive issue mm -hmm. and distracting everybody from the main point of the passage and not dealing with the explosive issue properly. Yes. And so it seems to me I'd be better off thinking, okay, we're going to dedicate this Sunday to tackling this topic. And But but my, I mean, if I'd just be honest about my own journey, I think we've done that twice in my 18 years, yeah. which is nowhere near John Piper's once a year, and I suspect the best answer is somewhere in between those two answers. Yes, see, I, I mean, I, I think you're right in that you don't want to hijack expositional preaching, the main, mm. the point of a passage. However, I think there are ways of doing it, mm -hmm. uh, f and I would encourage someone, to, a, a, a preacher or a teacher, to warn people that mm -hmm. you're going to say something that might be distressing mm -hmm. uh, so that people aren't caught off guard. Mm -hmm. Uh, but to say, look, you know, this is obviously a much bigger topic than I have time here, but, but see how the infants jump mm 
in, in the mother's womb and what this means for the beginnings of life, mm -hmm. for example, in, mm -hmm. the, in the, the gospel narratives. And I've remembered the, the third thing that I was thinking about, which is in our examples of sin. So our examples of sin tend to be, you know, road rage or cheating on your tax or whatever. Mm -hmm. And if that's the worst, mm -hmm. Someone who's sitting there listening, who's had an abortion, is going to think, right, well, no one's a sinner like me. Mm -hmm. So how could I possibly share mm -hmm. my story if that's... Or, as I once heard a preacher say, look, I know no, none of you here has ever, ever killed anyone, but we're still all sinners. Mm. Now, a throwaway line like that can close the door mm. to someone feeling that... It's safe for me to go and talk to you. It's safe for me to go and talk. Okay, um, how often do you want us to teach? How often do you want us to set aside a Sunday? Well, I guess I don't want it to be a set aside a Sunday. I guess I want it to be, as we think about the people that God has given us to care for, as we seek to love them and serve them, how do we, what are the many issues, mm -hmm. you know, that we need to be aware of where people need to repent need to be called to repent, need to find healing, uh, need, need support, need to be able to feel that they can, uh, when they have a crisis pregnancy, mm -hmm. know that they will be listened to. Mm -hmm. uh, so, so I, mean, I just think, and, and this is where, I mean, I'm being cheeky, but where I agree with the feminists, which is, it's something we need to talk about. Mm. If we don't talk about it, people won't talk about mm. it and people won't get the help that they need for crisis pregnancies or for the, the healing and the repentance that's needed post-abortion. Mm. Just a much more frequent conversation. Just a much more part of our regular... There's all sorts of things that we now talk about that we didn't talk about 10, 20 years ago in terms of mm. pastoral care. Mm. I think we, we need to start thinking about it like that. I mean, one in three women mm. is a lot of the population. Yeah, yeah. So we've just got, all got to get much better at these conversations. Yes, yes, yeah. yes. Okay, what about when somebody comes to talk to you and says, we're at 17 weeks, 18 weeks, and we're th it's a live option, it's a live decision. Tell us about some of those conversations. Well, I think, well, uh, they will all be different, mm -hmm. obviously. And you uh, talked about the different narratives that have led to that position. Yes, know? yes. So, so, so they will all be different. However, I mean, if if they've come to talk with you about it, praise the Lord. Mm. I mean, how wonderful, because a lot of people would just go off and deal with this quietly and and not seek counsel. Mm. Uh, so, so I think in your response, uh, grace and compassion and humility because they've, they've allowed you into their lives mm. in something that is just deeply, deeply personal. Uh, obviously, lots and lots of prayer, lots of humility and gentleness and listening, but also clear teaching clear understanding of the sovereignty of God and, and the, the wonder and the privilege 
of being created in God's image and that this is a human, this is a mm. human life. I mean, I think we also need to feel the weight of those, the weight of the argument or weight, the burden of the, of the decision for those, for the, for the argument that this is the compassionate thing to do for the child, right? So terminating the child's life is the compassionate thing to do. And, and realise that uh, uh, and in a sense have an understanding of suffering that has dignity and value and the sufficiency of, of God, mm. you know, the grace of God to sustain uh, the parents and the child mm. and, and that um, a life of suffering is not a life it, 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 it is, is not a life not worth living, mm. if I can have mm. a double negative, mm. uh, that, that God's grace is sufficient for that child, even in, in a place of suffering. Now, for those who, where the, where the, the child won't live, um, uh, possibly not even su survive birth, I, I think there is still a relationship to be had with mm. that child. Uh, the child can still hear the mother's voice. You can still love the child mm. in the womb. And, and so, in a sense, I mean... I, I, remember, my, I remember going to a funeral of a little child and um, uh, the minister told the told I mean, kind of imagined what it would be like meeting that child in mm, heaven mm. and the parents saying to the child, we made every possible decision yeah. in your favour yeah. that was open for us to make. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Th that's right. And uh, and you know to to feel to to acknowledge the the sadness and the grief that's involved in for the parents that, who are now facing a, a pregnancy that's not what they had mm. expected. But again, I say if if people are not Christian, people are not firmly committed to the sanctity of life before that situation, mm. it's very hard to play catch-up. Yeah. I think, um, for me, uh, I think my big, biggest mistake has been not understanding how intense the pressure oh. from the medical mm. profession mm. is to make a decision in this fortnight window. Mm. Whereas mm. I think I had just thought, the conversation was, I'd put an argument, they were thinking about it, but I just hadn't realised how many doctors yep. were in the ear, um, doctors and other health allied professionals, and every day. Yeah. That's right, and, and it's framed in terms of, this is the loving thing to do for the child. So, I mean, I was talking to someone the other day who said uh, they had their ultrasound that showed that the, that the child uh, wasn't going to survive, a life outside the womb. They had the ultrasound and the ultrasound, uh, uh, the sonographer or whatever, said to the, to the mother, oh, you'll want to see your doctor tomorrow for the, to book in the abortion. So the assumption was? The assumption was. It, it's not even, I mean, that, that's the thing. You're, you're starting from, that's the starting point. Mm -hmm. And so if you are going to try and step back from that, it, it, it's not... You're not starting in the middle. You're not starting on neutral ground. You're starting as that is the assumption. So you're then working against. Mm -hmm. uh, so praise, you know, praise the Lord for, for 
doctors out there who do mm -hmm. acknowledge the sanctity of life mm -hmm. and want to preserve these pregnancies. And I think all of, I expect all of us, have known parents who've been told that their child won't survive life outside the womb and they've faithfully carried that child and mm. loved that child and named that child and, and mm. just treasured even the in utero experience mm. of caring for that child and then held the child, uh, sometimes as the child dies, sometimes uh, as a stillbirth, but grieved the loss of this, uh, of this child. Mm. And I mean, I think that, uh, I mean, God bless those people because really they say to me, here is the value of a human life. Here is the wonder of life that God has given. Mm. And we're going to honour what God has given mm -hmm. and honour someone made in the image of God. Mm. Have you seen somebody change their mind like, in that two-week, three-week period? I'd like to say I, I have, Well, but they probably weren't going to... They were probably in, in the neutral mm -hmm and the neutral territory considering both sides mm -hmm. who've then decided to go ahead with the pregnancy. But I don't know that I have seen someone who, who was intending to have an abortion in that circumstance and decide not to. But I'm sure they're out there. Mm -hmm. Nothing's impossible for mm -hmm. God. Mm -hmm. uh, okay, someone in the church has had an abortion and they're now filled with colossal remorse because that's been well, that's been my experience. Yeah. I think the the experience that most women feel immediately is relief. Mm -hmm. uh, so uh, it may be it, it and the the remorse might come on quickly or mm. it may not. I mean it it it, it may take years. It, it may not come. My own, uh, I think the thing to remember with abortion in terms of pastoral need is that abortion is a sin, it's a grief, a loss, a grief, and it's a trauma. And if we only deal with one of those things, we'll only be dealing in part with the pastoral demands. And actually, I think that I, my own view is that the repentance and the grief are two sides of the one coin. So unless you understand that this is, a, this is a human being created in the image of God, you won't grieve as you have to grieve. Mm -hmm. And unless you understand that this is a human created in the image of God, you won't repent as you have to repent. Mm -hmm. uh, and so holding those, and, and so as a pastor or as a ministry team, pastoral carer, if you only address the need for repentance, the comfort and the healing from the grief won't mm. be acknowledged. If you only deal with the, the grief, you won't be calling someone to repentance and so that they can find true peace and comfort. So keeping those two things together and remembering too that abortion is a trauma. Uh, many women um, report feeling well, it's like post-PTSD. I'm, I'm, I'm going to mm. drill down mm. on those two things mm. and add a couple more. Mm. Um, uh, I, I've only walked through this with one couple, but um, and uh, I mean, I alluded to 
mm. before mm. that I so regret that um, I um, I wasn't aware that really this was just I wasn't aware as I should have been that this was a two week window mm. and there was quite as much pressure. Mm. I, I wasn't aware of there was as much pressure from the other side as there was. And so I profoundly regret, I mean, I, I talked to them, I explained the scriptures, I did mm. the things, mm. I, I, mm. I got them to talk to some people who raised disabled children, but I don't, I don't think I, I knew that intense pressure. But when, and they did make the decision without telling me they were going mm. to mm. go ahead. And, but when they did, I was enormously helped to think, first, help them grieve and honour the child mm. properly. And so talk to us about grief and funerals for babies and things like that. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think your situation is unusual mm -hmm. because uh, the, the couple, uh, they came to you. Mm -hmm. uh, it was um, evidently a viable mm -hmm. Infant, so a funeral was mm. uh, was uh, called for. So I think that's the very unusual situation, right. because most people would not. Uh, well, my experience is that most people would not find themselves in that situation where then they they have their pastor come along to do a funeral. Right. So so I think that's the unusual situation. I think more ordinarily. Uh, you would, you as the pastor would find about, out about things. Much later. Much later. Much later. Much later. Right. But really what you were doing in that situation is what I, what I, part of what I'm saying, which is it is this deep appreciation of this was a human life. Mm. That is that grief and repentance. Mm. And until you understand the significance of it being a real, a real human life given by God, precious to God. The grief, the, the grieving won't happen mm. properly. Mm -hmm. I mean, there may be remorse and regret. There may be some grief, but not a deep, deep grief mm. of what what has been lost. I mean, abortion. Abortion is presented as a quick fix, mm. right? Something that you'll move on from. You can have another child, you know, if it's a problem pregnancy. Uh, uh, um, I, guess, I guess that, the, I mean, whether it's the pastoral word at the funeral or whether it's the pastoral word in private when you discover it, it's the same pastoral word mm. that, that this is mm. a real human mm. life. Mm. And, um, and actually, we think this is, a, if it's a Christian parents, we think this is a real human life where the child is going to meet you in heaven mm. and there's going to be a conversation and you're going to need to think about that conversation mm. and there are going to be things to say, do you know? Um, well, and, and, and the wonder of that is, and I mean, you know, if there is anything else that people need to hear about abortion, it is about the, the forgiveness of the cross, right? Mm. Which is when that conversation happens in glory, we will be standing there completely forgiven. Mm. Right. I mean, so so, and, and uh, abortion, in a sense, is like a test case for how much we believe in the power of the cross. Mm. Mm. Because if you don't believe, and can I be forgiven for that? If you don't believe in the power of the cross, 
you you won't find that you you won't be able to repent and find the forgiveness that you need. And as pastoral carers, if we don't believe in the power of the cross, we won't be able to help people pastorally. Mm. Uh, I mean it. And, and in a sense, this is, why the, this is why the gospel is such good news to people mm. whose lives have been touched by abortion, whether mothers, fathers, parents who've counselled their children to have abortions, uh, health workers, friends. For, I mean, all of us need, need, need forgiveness, forgiveness yeah. if we've at any point mm. uh, been part of that decision. So we've got grief, we've got repentance. There's then the complexity of um, how the man and the woman relate to each other. Yes. Yeah, I read some research um, in preparing for this this uh, talk at Priscilla and Aquila, which is that uh, only 37% of relationships are together after two years after an abortion. So, I mean... So, so that's a lot of relationships ending. So only 37% We're not have talking Christian, we're talking wider society. Wider society, only 37%. And I mean, this is what, when you realise abortion is an issue that affects men. Because it, it, not only is the child your child, but actually the abortion will have an impact on your relationship mm. as well. People go through grief uh, the experience of grief differently. So, I mean, I, I think any couple going through a significant personal strain, they deal with it differently, mm -hmm. and it has the potential to drive them apart rather than mm -hmm. put it together. Uh, but in this, I think, you know, you have the complexity of the gender relations, um, you know, where where men think, well, abortion is a, a woman's issue, and maybe maybe the man was responsible for forcing the woman to do it. Mm -hmm. uh, or, or actively or passively sort of encouraging her to do it uh, by stepping back and saying, well, it's not my... It's, a, it's entirely mm -hmm. up to you. Well, that's not really loving your partner. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, so, but, but it, it did interest me that the, the relationship failure rate is so high mm -hmm. after mm -hmm. two years. And so if, as a pastor, I become aware mm -hmm. of that in a couple's life, yep. then I need to be working to kind of push my way into conversations about their marriage. Yeah, well, well, certainly to ensure that there are people who are caring for them yeah. and praying for them. Uh, a, a lot of men feel grief over the loss of their, their child in abortion. Uh, so, you know, we tend to think of the women and the grief, but there's grief for the fathers as well. And, and uh, so, you know, caring for them is important, but, but certainly relationship care is, is important mm -hmm. too. And then, I guess, lastly, I want to talk about the couple and church and not wanting to come to church and mm -hmm. feeling embarrassed before God and embarrassed before their Christian friends, and particularly if they've got Christian friends who might know that this is what's happened. Well, I've, I mean... Maybe this is a sim simplistic answer, uh, but that's, in a sense, all of us do things that should make coming into the fellowship of Christ people make us feel uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's the nature mm -hmm. of sin. Mm -hmm. You know, 
whatever the sin is. Mm. And, and in a sense, it is a, it is a, uh, it's a discipline to continue meeting with God's people. Uh, it's a test for the congregation uh, to, well, how are we going to express the grace of the gospel mm -hmm. in, in this situation? I mean, in some situations, there may be a need for public repentance. I mean, actually, I think one of the teaching opportunities that we have is if there is an, un an unwanted pregnancy, an unplanned pregnancy in the congregation between unmarried couples. I've been in, in a church where there was a young couple who weren't married and, uh, and she fell pregnant. And they got up the front of the church and they said, this is what's happened. We're keeping the child. We're going to get married. And we ask you, please, to forgive us and to love us and support us. Mm. And, you know, how wonderful, what a, what a wonderful illustration mm. of uh, the, grace, the grace of God and repentance, but also the importance of, hu of human life. So, so I think as a church, we want to, if, if a couple has had, the, who is part of the congregation who's had an abortion, that it, it is known, uh, you want to think, okay, how do we teach the congregation about this? Mm -hmm. uh, you know, how can, we, how can this be an opportunity to uh, preach Christ? Uh, and the forgiveness of the gospel, also demonstrate genuine repentance and forgiveness, and possibly discipline, mm. church discipline. I mean, you know, I mean, I, I think with any sort of public sin, those questions should come into play for se senior pastors. Mm. Um, you know, I, I imagine these are the sorts of things that you think about. Well, yeah, I think um, when I got to that stage, I thought. Um, there was just, there's only a few of us who knew, but it was a complex thing for the couple to come to church given that these people knew, and a complex thing for the, their friends who knew how to feel about the couple. Mm -hmm. And so we didn't do it as a big thing with everybody, mm -hmm. but we had a little communion service just in my lounge room where um, we got to the, um, the general confession and there's a confession of sin and then a specific prayer about this sin and asking for forgiveness. Mm. And, and then the words of absolution that come after the, the confession and then that together we were prepared to eat bread and drink wine and remember the death of the Lord Jesus it was actually us as a tiny group saying, we believe that Christ has forgiven you mm. and we believe together we are forgiven sinners. And I think, I think that was a very, well, I think it was probably the most, it, it's certainly the communion service that I remember most clearly mm. of seeing the forgiveness of the gospel enacted mm. out mm. in the communion mm. service. Mm. And I mean, theologically, I've believed that forever, mm. but mm. actually to really see it in real life. Yeah. Um, and um, it was, was really a very quite significant moment for me. Yeah. And, and we'll continue. So as the conviction of sin and the, and the enormity of the situation, mm. I mean, this is the thing, abortion is quick fix or, 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 or a temporary thing, but actually it's an irreversible decision that will mm. be with you for the rest of your life. And there's going to be, 
I'm a man. Grief every birthday, every Christmas, right. every Mother's Day, every Father's Day. Oh, yes, and only a small or, or, group that you want to share it with. Well, not birthday, but it's not a birthday. That's yeah. the thing. It's the day that the that, 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 that the abortion happened, and you know, and many women remember that mm. year after year. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, and looking at other children who would have been the same age, the same age, yeah. uh, and uh, I mean, uh, and this, I mean that similar at a uh, sort of grief in a sense is is felt, which is why. Uh, adoption is often listed as the least preferable option for women with an unwanted pregnancy, uh, which is that they have what's, what they consider as a double death. They have the death of self involved in carrying the child t to term, and then they have the death, the loss of the child, mm. and not knowing where the child is or what's happening mm. with the child's life. So uh, it's interesting that when women consider options, Adoption is often at the very bottom as, as the sort of the worst of what might happen. And I think, you know, coming back to how do we teach on this, I, th I think one of the things, um, one of the ways that we teach on this is a congregational responsibility or a congregational involvement, really, which is showing in the life of the congregation um, the value of life, mm -hmm the care for the disabled, honouring the disabled, honouring uh, the single mother, mm. honouring the woman who goes through with an unwanted pregnancy. Mm. Uh, adoption, adopting children, fostering and, children. And honouring like, that practice. And honouring that practice. You want you to say that, that feel like accepted narrative on adoption is wrong. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. But unless people see unless us we work to counter it, yeah. practicing it, and particularly because um, adoption is so rare mm. now, uh, so so really being on the front foot with 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 adoption and showing just the love and the the, the grace mm. and, and and the sort of the loving loving the stranger in our midst, you know, bringing mm. bringing people into the family. Mm. And uh, and expressing the love of God in that way, and showing to people, no, this is a good thing. Mm. Mm. You know, for th yeah, we're out of time. Mm -hmm. My guest on the Pastor's Heart has been Dr. Claire Smith, and uh, we'll look forward to your company next week. Hey, if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, we would love it if you could hop over to the Apple Podcasts app and give us a rating and review. That helps us in the rankings and lets other people discover the pastor's heart. And again, if you are able to help us out by being a financial partner, go to our Patreon link, patreon.com slash the pastor's heart.